This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, so it's time for our Zoomer squad. And the first order of business is to check in on CARP's long-term care campaign, calling for the firing of Ontario Long-Term Care Minister Marilee Fullerton. Now, CARP is actually going to pause the campaign for the holiday, but we want to get a sense of where things are at as they do that. Also, we just got some uh, truly worrying, frightening numbers out from the latest modeling. We will drill down on that, especially the numbers as they relate to long-term care. According to these projections, Deaths will continue to increase, especially in long-term care, where there have been 633 deaths since September the 1st. And uh, let's begin there. I, I want to know, does that mean everybody's just thrown up their hands and given up? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744-740. And now I would like to bring in David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Marketing Officer at CARP, and Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good afternoon, Good afternoon, baby. Good afternoon everyone. <laughs> okay, well, it's literally this just in. These modeling numbers show... Deaths due to COVID continue to increase, especially in long-term care, and 100 over just the past week. Uh, what's your reaction to that, David? Well, I think that we're seeing, um, uh, if, I mean, there's really no good news here. You could say that there is slightly better performance because they have learned some things from the first round. Um, we don't yet know how many of these deaths were or would have been preventable. But it's quite clear that the uh, problem was always going to be the, the totality of the thing. It wasn't going to be just a small little error made for a couple of weeks uh, that can quickly get fixed. And um, I think the problems of staffing, the problems of equipment, the problems of transparency, uh, how this is being communicated, have not really been made uh, significantly better and I think we just have to uh, uh, hope for the best. I don't know that there's much more that, that the individual listeners can do other than uh, observe the, uh, you know, the requirements, the lockdowns, and, and continue to, um, you know, watch closely what's going on. When you said we've paused our campaign, we have. We've just dialed back, you know, the rhetoric. We're not going to be running the same, uh, you know, commercials right in right into uh, Christmas and New Year's. But that doesn't mean we've stopped the campaign. On the contrary, we're getting more coverage in other media outside of uh, uh, our own channels. And uh, it's, uh, if anything, the awareness of our campaign is broadening. Okay, yeah, I guess you're just trying to be nice for the holidays. Bill, again, nice, yeah. Yeah. What what is... Uh, What's your take on this new modeling, first of all? Uh, well, it's just, you know, it 
it's I, I can't remember ever go, being in the middle of a holiday season when all of us have had such mixed feeling uh, feelings. How is it possible to to feel the joy of the the season with what's uh, happening? And our you know our our campaign is showing this. We we're now just short fifteen signatures to be four thousand signatures. People haven't stopped uh, signing the. Uh, petition that says they're just so unhappy that with everything that the government and the Ministry of Long-Term Care uh, should have learned over the last nine months, yet uh, this is still still happening. And uh, it's, it's, it's disheartening and it's difficult to understand why uh, there hasn't been more real action uh, taken. Even even the announcement that we understand may come out uh, in an hour that uh, things will shut down even more uh, after uh, after Christmas Day. I mean, why not before? Why not earlier? Why not taking these kinds of steps when they would have made some difference? David, does it seem to you that the authorities are just throwing up their hands when it comes to long-term care? I don't, I don't think so. I think that they're caught between two worlds, and I think it's the mismanagement of it that's really making everybody furious. On the one hand, there's no question they inherited uh, a bad system, an underman- a mismanaged, underfunded system. The day they took office, the problems were there that they had nothing to do with creating. And many of those solutions are indeed long-term solutions. You can't build, uh, you can't create new beds in a week. You can't, uh, you know, turn the ship around in a, in a, in a few weeks. So there, some of their long-term thinking, let's do this over time, let's do that over time, uh, let's increase the number of uh, hours of care between now and 2025, that all makes sense. It's, it's not like they're doing nothing. But they've never really gotten to grips with what is the immediate crisis? How can we impact that immediate crisis? And above all, how can we communicate better what we're doing and what should be done uh, there's been a lot of radio silence at times that there shouldn't have been. And then when they have come out with stuff, it's been contradictory. Do this. No, no, do that. No, no, do this. And so it, it, it creates the impression of a ship uh, that nobody is you know, quite steering. And then when you take a look at all the resources they have to work with, you wonder about the performance of those, uh, those people that are in charge. Yeah, what I'm asking, uh, Bill, I'm looking at these modeling numbers, and um, I, what really is striking me is, uh, you know, it says no matter what we do at this point, their long-term care deaths are going to increase. So does that strike you as uh, giving up? Uh, well, it it, uh, it does, uh, and uh, as as David said, there's been so much inconsistency in the way they've uh, dealt with it. And how can we accept uh, uh, an, an admittance that things are going to get worse? That we're going to have more uh, deaths? We were told months ago by the experts that if we had 40 positive tests per uh, 100,000, then that was the danger point. Your newscast uh, a few moments ago said we're over double that now. Uh, On Friday, we were at 97. 
uh, above, you know, more than more than double. Yet, uh, and so we're reaping the the results of that uh, of that inaction. And where's the new action going to uh, come from uh, besides uh, shutting down the whole province? Uh, okay, and speaking of, of shutting down the whole province, uh, and I don't know exactly what that means, uh, are you optimistic about that, David? No, <laughs> not really. But that, but I'm not a scientist, and I'm not an expert. I'm basing it on the past. Is that there? First of all, the the link between um, lockdown and uh, amelioration of the conditions. Um, is intuitive and logical. I'm not challenging it, but it has never really been quantified. They've never been able to show anywhere in the world a direct relationship between the amount of lockdown and and the reduction in cases, except in very broad terms over time. So I don't know. uh, And then you look at all the anomalies. You can go into this kind of store, but not that kind of store. Uh, They haven't made it easier for themselves in dealing with a very... Uh, volatile, unpredictable, unprecedented problem, and they need sympathy for that. But on the other hand, uh, the information flow has been so contradictory and so all over the map that it's difficult to have any confidence that they're doing more than just, you know, panicked response and hope for the best. Well, the the data that was just presented in the last hour, the modeling data by Staney Brown, I mean, they basically say that they think a lockdown four to six weeks will reduce cases to below 1,000 a day. So, and they are basing that on places like France and Australia. And there are differences in what a hard lockdown is. And I don't think here anybody is contemplating a curfew, which was in place in in other areas. But, but they were kind of specific about that. Uh, does that give you any sense of hope, Bill? Well, uh, you know, I guess this is what they have been talking about for some time, an, an interrupter uh, to try to put a hard uh, stop to it. It doesn't uh, give us a lot of confidence because uh, there's been uh, no evidence that uh, uh, here in, in Ontario that being firm around lockdowns in various parts of the province has really been able to uh, stem it. Our population situation is different. Our density is uh, different. It's it's almost like a hail hail mary attempt when the very you know specific things that could have been done. If we look, for instance, back at long term care, if they had improved the availability and use of uh, PPE by frontline uh, workers, if they had improved the testing uh, uh, for people getting access to long-term care homes from the uh, outside, if they had done these specific things earlier, uh, the suggestion is that would have made a big big difference. But as David said, uh, there's no real proof that in our situation here, uh, this will have any effect except look like an attempt by the government to to uh, to do something when actual the detail of uh, of work across the province is what really would have made a difference and hopefully still can if they'd wake up and do it. And remember that the the track record of modeling in general, I'm not talking about this specific model, uh, has not been sterling during this pandemic. The early models, uh, the very first one from 
um, uh, from England was the United States would have two million deaths by now. So, I mean, some of these models have been just, uh, you know, complete f- fiction, and they don't really inspire a lot of confidence. I agree. I think, though, my own opinion is that lockdown will work because intuitively, if you have fewer people uh, congregating, you're going to get fewer infections. So I'm not opposed to it, but it, it doesn't have the precision. And all along, all the way through this pandemic, they have presented a degree of scientific certainty that has later been undermined uh, by actual experience. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem, that it just doesn't look like it's a very uh, well-known, well-established, credible set of facts that they're working from. Okay, let's take a call from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. So lockdowns, the WHO said lockdowns don't work. That was the last word out of them. They said, don't lock down. Who said that? So the thing is, we knew, I'm no medical doctor, but the flu always gets worse going into this time of year, correct? Correct. And this is a similar kind of, uh, uh, kind of illness, a flu-like illness. Why weren't they ramping up in May and June and July to meet this thing? Everything they've done is inconsistent. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, I've totally lost any faith in it. And one of the other things I've noticed, too, I saw statistics saying the ICU rates have been constant for the last four years, even with this virus. So I can't believe anything any of these people say. Um, uh, You know, uh, for most of that, Bill, I think uh, that you're totally on the same page as other people. The the big question being, why didn't they prepare? And they will say that they did everything possible. And uh, a lot of people would disagree with that. Um, are you ready for the lockdown, Bill? I mean, uh, we're in lockdown. Well, all this lockdown means to me is I've got to stand in line. I feel like I'm living in a communist country where I had to line up for a loaf of bread is what it's come down to. Yeah, uh, thanks for that. Not, a, not, a, uh, not a, the only guy that feels that way, I'm afraid. Yeah, let, let me give the numbers out again if uh, people want to comment on the lockdown and on anything else they've been hearing. I mean, you know, I, I find this very upsetting. It, it really seems to me like uh, at this point people are, you know, just uh, throwing in the towel. When it comes to long-term care, and and maybe there's a a marginal difference in the rates of infection and death there, but it's marginal. I know that we're going to be talking to the uh, CEO of UHN shortly, and I know that they are the center of a hub where they advise long-term care, but um, the main things uh, were left undone. 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 and I am talking to David Kravitz and Bill Van Gorder. And I know this is a weird question. Is there anything else on your mind as we head into the holiday? Bill, do you want to go first, or do you want me? To... <laughs> <laughs> Lots is on my you mind. You know, really, really uh, a surprise uh, question. Know, to be honest, Libby, uh, uh, there is uh, very little else. Uh, on my mind, we are so immersed in this issue, trying to uh, trying to offer some suggestions, trying to uh, 
offer uh, some hope, some encouragement. I think the one other thing that's uh, on my mind is let's keep in mind the isolation and the loneliness of so many of our uh, older adult friends and relatives who are trapped in uh, in isolation, not being able to see family and, and, and friends. Uh, uh, I hope that whatever they announce today doesn't uh, take away that one opportunity that we're being allowed at the moment to have at least one caregiver, family member uh, visit uh, relatives in in long-term uh, care. We know that they are they are suffering. They're suffering not only from being cut off from family and friends, but by the fear of what we're talking about right now. Right now. And I know we have, have so many uh, listeners who are in this category uh, cut off this holiday season. And my heart just goes out to them and wishes there was something more that, they, that we can uh, do for them and, and give them some hope for uh, 2021. Um, yeah. Um, you know, my understanding of the lockdown rules is that people who are alone, who live alone, um, that they uh, can, uh, bub- well, there are no more bubbles, but they can mix with one other person or household. Uh, because I think everybody realizes that the social isolation is a, is a huge problem too and and you know here on this show we've heard from people who live alone and it is very difficult let's take a call from they're worried they're scared yeah (laughs) they're they're anxious at a time of year when normally this uh for for most of it is is a highlight time of the year not this year and well no not this year for certain let's take a call from murray and malton hello murray hi how are you Fine. How are you? Uh, not bad. Uh, because there's uh, still some long-term care homes not uh, distributing the uh, PPE properly, I think Doug Port should do something to address that. Maybe even send out a van with uh, PPE in it and just give it to the, the employees of these long-term homes so that they're, they're properly protected and they're protecting the, the people who live there. Uh, yeah, I I don't know specifically. When you talk to any authorities, they say the PPE situation is sorted out, and then sometimes individual workers call in and say the PPE here is locked up. So it's it's another area where things are really confusing. Uh, David, well, I th- I think that's true. I think the execution of this has been very uneven. But um, if you look at if you look ahead, uh, in, in the spirit of what Bill said, he's thinking. You know, I'm I'm wondering whether this uh, I hate to say blessing in disguise because it's a terrible curse, not a blessing. But whether the longer term effect of all this is that we're never going to look at the healthcare um, policymakers and people that implement the programs the same way again, and that might be something good. You know, we didn't talk about last week, late last week, they released a 45-page report from the Ministry of Long-Term Care with their plans for the future. And you you could extract certain concrete nuggets of we're going to do this and we're going to do this. But it was wrapped in so much aspirational language and intentions and consultations and further study and we'll work collaboratively with. There was so many weasel words in. There was the same thing all over again with a few nuggets 
buried in there. So I think what may happen is there may be a sea change, a permanent change in how we look at this. And that's part of what CARP's campaign is all about. We're saying we have the right to see how much money are we paying these people that are implementing these policies? How much money and resources are we giving them? We're not going to accept on faith anymore, on blind faith, that they necessarily know what they're doing. And if that happens... If that happens, and if our campaign works even to that extent, it could force uh, much-needed changes across the whole health care system. Um, we may look back at this as the time when, you know, we lost our innocence about trusting that the people in charge uh, were always, uh, you know, on top of things. Well, yeah, yeah and that's it's... the point I was going to make. If you ask the employer, they're doing everything they're, they're supposed to be doing. But if you ask the employer, they're going, Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks, Murray, for your call. Very much so, very much so. Let's uh, take one from Kate in Toronto. Hello, Kate. Hi. Um, my question was, they were, they've been talking a lot about home testing kits or self-testing kits, and I'm wondering, like, whatever happened to those, and why don't they make those available to the general populace so that we can help ourselves? Um, I don't know anything about home testing kits. They're supposedly rapid testing kits. That, okay, that, rapid testing. Well, they're not, uh, people don't do it on their own. Someone else has to administer it, and uh, they're held up somewhere. I think they're sending some to the north. Uh, um, I, I think they, or they have sent, they came, they were ordered federally, and uh, I don't think they've been distributed there, and there no, might be some were- here. Yeah, they were talking about them in August. We were promised them in September. Then in October, they said they would be available sometime in in December. They have been approved uh, by Health Canada now, but we're still waiting to hear that they're really in uh, widespread use. As for the personal uh, kits at this point, uh, they have uh, not been approved in Canada for uh, home use, so we don't have them available yet. Right, and I don't, th- I don't think that they're that reliable. I That's mean, a problem. Yeah. A lot of the rapid tests are not that reliable, uh, yeah. but but they're kind of uh, better than nothing. But uh, no, yeah, you're the- right. You're right there. You're absolutely yeah. right. Did you see the video of the uh, legislator in, Aust- in Austria? demonstrating one of those kits. Uh, he tested a glass of Coca-Cola and it tested positive. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So there's some work to be done. you got to stay away from that <laughs> That's Coke. That's for sure. Yeah. Kate, thanks very much for your call. Okay, thank you. Okay, so uh, what can I say? Uh, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, a week today, we are going to be having a best of show. So uh, it, it will be the new year until we talk again. David, what would you like to leave us with? I'd like everybody to think about uh, at this holiday season, uh, protecting yourself, but also going back to something Bill said, think about the people you know who are alone, who are shut in, whether you can physically see them or Zoom them or do something with them. But uh, those of us that are healthy and have support, uh, let's reach out to those who are not and try to make it a better holiday season. Okay, and you know what? Don't forget about the old-fashioned telephone, which is uh, a lot simpler and less of a pain than those Zoom calls, So, uh, and, sure. and probably sure. easier for the person that you're contacting with it well, as well. Uh, Bill, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I absolutely agree with you, and uh, 
David and and all of us at CARP are certainly wishing that everybody can have the the best possible uh, holiday uh, holiday season. And remind you, in addition to family and uh, and close friends, remember your neighbor down the street or down the hall, the older people who may not have anyone to to reach out to them. Use the uh, use the telephone, wave to them from the street, offer uh, help if you can uh, in terms of helping them access groceries and things. There are many people without any family or close by friends who need our attention too. So remember what we do during a blizzard. Think of this as a uh, a terrible kind of blizzard and look out for your neighbors as well as your family. Okay, a nice thought. Merry Christmas and thank you Merry so Christmas. much. David Merry Kravitz. The same, and the same to you. See you next year. See you, See you next year. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.